Okay, so, hello, <laughs> and uh, welcome back to Cake Bites. This is your host, and I just realized I never introduced myself. I am your host, Katie Cakes, and um, I'm really excited to finally share with you the last part of my interview with Billy Joe Kane. Um, and, uh, and it means a lot to me to finally be sharing this because uh, Billy was actually my first interview for Cake Bites and all of this. And um, our interview was so great and so long. It was about three hours long um, that I had to split it up into three different parts because Billy has kind of filled a lot of different roles. And um, I feel really excited to share uh, what Billy is choosing to do with the current technology with VR and and like I said this interview is is the final part of my first interview which took place in like July of last year so keep in mind that this interview is actually a little bit older um, and I, I will have updates more recent updates on Trapped a VR detective story the game that we talk about today at the end of the show so just make sure you listen to my update at the end um <clears throat> But yeah, so, I mean, honestly, I've talked about Billy a couple of times already from our other two episodes. So, um, without further ado, here is Billy Joe Kane. and I want to be on top of it and you know I didn't get in on it at the very 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 beginning of it because I know that that the market needed some time to kind of figure itself out yeah and um yeah so now now that's what I want to be doing I mean and my next question honestly was going to be I mean all of your experience working for you know any sized gaming company because it, it sounds like you've been kind I've of been on, all over you've yeah. been all over the spectrum um I mean, do you feel like that's what pushed you to want to work in the nonprofit sector, but still incorporate game design? Well, that's a good question. I don't know that it had anything to do with the size of the companies that I've been working with. I or think just your it's experiences. more. Yeah, I mean, I just I I had the the opportunity to work for an educational company, and yeah. we did after school tutoring, um, taught vocabulary and uh, reading comprehension and things of that nature. Um, to kids after school, underprivileged kids. And although the products that we were doing were not anywhere near the world's greatest things, they were very effective and they worked for the kids and it was changing their lives. I mean, like I had my wall in my office was co covered with um, letters that were written in by these students that were like, I couldn't read and you know, at this grade level, I was, you know, and now, you know, after using y'all's program for a while, now I can read it two to three things at two to three grade levels over. Now I'm taking AP English and you're just, oh my God, just tears, you know. And so having that experience and, and knowing that gaming can do that and I can get in and do educational stuff, it was just, it was unbelievable. And after doing you know, after getting after that company shutting down because they decided they wanted to try to go into Louisiana against all of the things I tried to beg them to not do. It was like you're Louisiana's not gonna work for us for all those reasons. And um they shut down and so then I wound up um 
you know, doing something else. And I've always looked back at the, what can I do to help the universe? And so, yeah, I was, I had gotten, I got to the point last year where we had to sell our house, but at the same time, uh, I was still doing contract work and I, I didn't even want to open my email because I just, it just caused me so much stress and anxiety because I was, I was like, I'm finished with all of my contracts, but people still call me and try to get me to do more work. And I'm like, this is not healthy. I need to stop this stuff. And so I was kind of like, okay, how do I reset what I'm doing? Have it make a difference and, and matter to the universe. And exactly. this is, that's kind of where I am right now. And, and so do you, I mean, I want, I want to talk about the project because, um, this weekend at the classic game fest, um, I mean, your, your booth is on the, the project you're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what you're doing is incredibly important. I mean, we live in a state that has one of the highest cities of human trafficking right. or the highest amount highest of, rates. Yeah, exactly. Of, of people being sold or, you know, taken into these terrible situations. Um, and, and you're, what you're doing is trying to really bring awareness to that. So mm-hmm. I just want to talk about that because sure. uh, the implementation of, the, of virtual reality um, and the ability to put people literally in the moment mm-hmm. is, is, is powerful especially for people that have never maybe had the oppor- you know had the opportunities not the right way to say that. No, I understand what you mean. The they haven't been exposed not, to it. They've had the pleasure of not having the opportunity. Yeah, you know that's a that's just on its own is something that's really blown my mind. I mean, just trying to get my head around the fact that um the amount of information that I have on this topic is f- just vastly further along than uh, most people. In fact, there are too many people that are running around don't even realize it's a problem. So that's kind of why the the first thing we're trying to tackle is trying to raise awareness of it. Um, and you know, with the with the game and the fact that we go take it out, we meet a lot of people. And I'm constantly surprised people that come over and say, "I've never heard of sex trafficking. What's that all about?" And just like going, "Wow, lucky. lucky you've never experienced it. Lucky nobody in your life have ever experienced it." But it's um. It's just a horrible, horrible topic, and I just can't imagine why we don't talk about this because it's literally in every neighborhood all over the world, um, especially where you don't expect it. And that's kind of that's what I really wanted to create in this particular experience was a uh, a narrative story that would open people's minds to the reality of this possibly even happening in their backyard. Mm-hmm. So everything about what we're doing, we're checking uh, authenticity. We want to be accurate. We want to make sure that the scenarios are are realistic and believable. But um, by uh, by learning more about this and then talking to experts in the field uh, and going over this with people that are actual survivors, um, we we think we've done a pretty good job of of creating a holy moly this is happening in suburbia, you know kind of feeling, which of course is not trying to take it take the experience away from anyone else, but it, it's I'm trying to get people to wake up to the fact that this isn't just happening to bad people, you know, in some other place or yeah. another country where no one cares, you know, or the government isn't running stuff correctly. It's like no man, this stuff is happening everywhere. And, you know, in order to, to connect with people, you need to be authentic and you have to tell a good story and it has to resonate with them. So 
you know, accuracy is totally way high up on, on the list. And I think if we start with that and we, we use scenarios that are, um, that you can say, yeah, that type of thing happened. And here's an example of it in the real world. Um, even it being so unbelievable, you just kind of have to realize that, yeah, this is really happening. Um, and so what is, uh, what is your nonprofits called? Oh, great. Good question. Yeah, so uh, the nonprofit is named the Radical Empathy Education Foundation, and we got the name Radical Empathy from uh, talking with one of our uh, one of our advisor groups. We were pitching uh, an earlier story version, and what the feedback was was, "Yeah, that totally sucks, and it's not. It doesn't make me care for the person that's the victim." And I'm like, "Okay, well, talk to me about that." And they're like, "Look, we have to be able to." raise, you know, we have to create radical empathy for these victims so you can feel what it is like for them, so you can understand from their perspective. And that is the, that's the group that, that has to, um, that when you walk away from this game, you have to care about them, yeah. the victims. And we're like, okay, we're scrapping everything. And that's, that's where we, we really kind of took the idea where um, if we want to make the person care about this victim, we're going to make the player the victim and turn the story on its head where you're experiencing life as, as that victim. And, um, you know, in a, in a way that's not, you know, graphic or anything, but you live in her home and you can't, you can't escape. You're essentially trapped. And that's the name of the product. And the whole idea is that we want people to walk away understanding that those people are being held kind of like animals or really like animals and then they're, you know, they're traded out um, when the time is right for the person that owns them to go make a bunch of money. And it's just, it's horrible. But I guess, I guess kind of where I was going with all of that was that um, we need to be able to create empathy in these users and the players. And given that's the case, I'm make this thing stop. I don't know who is blowing up my phone in the middle of the night. I hope it's not Eatsell, my developer. We're like Billy. It's an emergency. <laughs> he's but, he's working on the game with you. No, it's it's she actually. Oh, she? I'm yeah, sorry. She's, I'm sorry. It's all good. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's my lone developer, and uh, she stays up late at night. <laughs> but yeah, we we're we're working on another version of the uh, first part of the game because we finally got the detective tools finished. Anyway, it's just whole, the whole aside. But <laughs> no, yeah, so yeah, it's fun because we're still you know going back and forth. And she sent me some a build today with some new ideas, and and I picked one out of her out of the options, and she sent me another one with some new options. I haven't had a chance to to look at it yet. You've had a busy so weekend, admittedly. Had a busy weekend, <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, it, it's a lot of fun. She's uh, she's young and fun, and she loves what she's doing. Uh, learning a lot, and you know, I, I think I think I'm I think she's challenged doing this stuff like in a in a fun way. Yeah. But I know she wants some more challenge, and so I'm hoping that we'll eventually get some funding so I can put her on like all the time, and she's not using her you know using her talents like you know a couple of hours a week or whatever. But okay, I feel like I didn't quite answer your original question. Go like, back. You Let's know, go back to it. Well, so is something about doing. Um, going into VR and then following this idea of doing social good. Yeah. And I guess what I was, I was going to sort of segue into, um, virtual reality has, um, one of, one of its many characteristics is it can put you in the center of the action and everything that's happening to you. 
it feels uh, it's very intense. It's I mean, immersive. You're, yeah, you're completely immersed. Your brain is fooled into thinking that you're in that world, and if the story is about you, you know, we can really um, affect your emotions, and so we have to be obviously careful with that. Um, I would never do anything like a jump scare or anything like that because that's for a whole different type of genre of things. But we have to be authentic to this material. And I think that when people hear what's happened to these victims, hear what's happening to them, how they get uh, set up into this world where, you know, up is down and, you know, black is white, the stuff that just doesn't make any sense to, to a human being that you look at it from the outside, you're like, well, why is this person staying in this situation? It's like, no, man, you don't. You can't even imagine what they've been through. But when we put them in this, you know, simulation world where you are that person, well, then you start to kind of get an idea of what it is those people are going through. And by doing that and utilizing, you know, virtual reality's, you know, um, power of empathy, I think that we can raise compassion for these victims. And I think we can make a difference. I think if we can get it on lawmakers' heads... And, and get it in front of people that are, you know, make decisions about corporations and the training that they need to be doing. Mm-hmm. I think we can make a difference. And, you know, I, I don't think any of the any of the aspects of what we're doing are going to replace. Um, so I guess I should say that I, I want to be using this not just for a um, a public good program that I want to give out. I want to, I want to generate job training programs that raise awareness of human trafficking, raise awareness of what the symptoms are, what to do in these situations. And I want to build custom, uh, training things that are specific to different industries. And and I honestly feel like that's a wonderful way to utilize the technology. I mean, virtual reality is almost limitless in, in the situations that you can put people in. Yeah, and, I mean, anything I mean, from fighting a fire to being on an oil rig de-escalating, to... De-escalating an angry customer in retail. I wish we could put angry customers in VR just to see what it feels like. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I, I've worked in retail. I know what you mean. I, I, in fact, um, another another weird aspect of my uh, job background is I used to work at the state hospital here with mentally ill you know, patients. Mm-hmm. And everyone was segregated into these different groups where, you know, it was adolescents or um, elderly, geriatric, violent or whatever. And um, we had to go through weeks and weeks of training on everything from CPR to de-escalation mm-hmm. of, uh, of situations, learning the floor plans, how to, you know, do whatever. But it would have been amazing to have had a de-escalation scenario. Because you don't know what I think a lot of people don't know how they're going to react to those high pressure situations until they're literally experiencing it. Oh, yeah. Giving people the opportunity to experience a probably unpleasant, (laughs) you know, high pressure experience can better prepare them for the actual moment it may happen. Oh, and it's going to happen. Exactly. It just depends if you work there long enough. It's going (laughs) to happen. Because, I mean, you know, pay. I was going to say patience. Patience at Target that probably escalate, you know, it's like, no, those people probably have some problems that they're carrying around yeah. with them. And, yeah, there's a certain level of, of having to be able to handle and de-escalate or even escalate a situation if you have to call the police. It's, it's, a, it's a skill, and you don't, it doesn't come naturally to people. I, I actually have, I, saw, I read an article recently um, that was on a police force that is actually using VR to put 
civilians in an escalated situation, a hostile situation with, and right. I feel like exactly what you're doing. Right. I mean, because people are very quick to judge or or dismiss mm-hmm. the, the seriousness of, of a situation because they don't believe that it, an escalated situation can get get out of control. And it's like playing an armchair quarterback. <laughs> exactly. You know, like I can't believe that person they they flipped their lid over something. You're like going, no, dude. Everything is a domino effect. It's all butterfly effect. It's all everything is all connected. Exactly. That person could have had something happen in their life. They they could have had a flat tire on a hot day. They're on edge. The other customer comes in on edge, and pretty soon they they're having a fist fight in the middle of the store. It's just a confluence of events. Neither one of them are bad people. It just happened. It's like nobody goes to the grocery store thinking they're going to beat the shit out of somebody in the produce aisle. Let's hope. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully, right? Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, a, you're never going to de-escalate someone that came in thinking well to do that. A well-adjusted. Yeah, exactly. Citizen. <laughs> it's not a. It's not a regular occurrence. These scenarios can be anything. And, and so. How far on this current build with... Uh, what is this title called? Oh, it's called Trapped, a Trapped. VR detective story. Okay. So the, the heart of the game is a, is a detective story because n- nobody is going to eat, you know, their broccoli just because they're supposed to eat broccoli. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, ne- I wanted to make sure this was a fun game that could be played over and over by people. And the, the result of this is that you will walk away with some knowledge. This isn't like a... Um, you know, a learning simulation where you get in here and have to take a test or anything. It's like, it's no, this is just, legitimately a game. It's a fun, legitimate <laughs> detective game in VR with cool tools that you can, you know, process information, you know, in in interesting ways. You can grab stuff and all that, and it's a narrative story and all this jazz. But no, no one's going to play this thing if it's just, you know, a, it's like a, see what it's like to be. Sold into human trafficking. Yeah, exactly. Uh, isn't this awesome? It's like, no, no one's going to play it. But if it's a cool detective game and the, and the tech is cool and it, and it looks great, then maybe someone will play it and they'll, maybe someone will have somebody else play it. And I think that virtual reality is a perfect platform, though, for that type of mystery because you're immersed in, in the universe. Oh, yeah. You have the opportunity to really tackle so many, so many social problems. Through, mm-hmm. through that medium. Yeah, and the, the other thing I think about VR is that if a product is designed well enough, someone that has never played a game should be able to get in there and immediately feel comfortable and at ease in using the product. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we should be able to figure out what it is that most people would want to do with a handset, a controller, and what they, what they would want to be able to play with and what they would want it to do, which is why we keep doing testing after testing after testing and watching people and listening to make sure that we're, we're doing that. But if you can put this, this system on someone that doesn't play games, doesn't know anything about this, they are going to get a lot out of it. Yeah. Because you literally step into a whole different world without going anywhere. It's, it's an amazing thing. I mean, everyone that we saw today at the show that had never played in VR, just like, oh I can't gosh. believe it. My two favorite were the little, little boy that has, he, I, I don't know if you remember, he was dancing a bunch. Oh yeah. But, I remember that but guy. It, his dad said that wherever there is a vibe that he can play, the game that's, that they're using to demo is for 18 and older and they won't let him play because he's, he, he had to have been maybe five or six years old. Right. 
and he was just all he wanted to do was throw <laughs> throw the clues around the yeah simulation. I remember that guy doing that <laughs> yeah because it, it, it was adorable but on the flip side there was a there was another kid that had come by multiple times and the mom I thought that you knew them actually because of how often they were at the booth oh. them it was a mom and a son and um. And he, the son couldn't get over couldn't get over how much fun he was having playing it. He he right. said that I've played it probably ten times, but I, and I asked the mom. She was sitting there. She thought it was great. And I asked her though, have you ever, have you ever worn the headset? Have you ever taken taken the opportunity just to see what it feels like to right. be in virtual reality? And she's like, no, like, why the fuck are you asking me? You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like you should just put it on and see what it feels like because it's it's otherworldly almost. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you really are tricked into feeling like you're somebody you're, that you've been transported completely somewhere else. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to see kind of how Trapped continues to develop and, and what you choose to continue doing with it. Um, is it available to play at all? Like, is there a build available or anywhere? Or? Nah, that's a, that's a great question. So we, we worked on it for Google Cardboard, um, up until March, and we released a version on Google Play that okay. has the first um, the first level essentially. It's very low res. Um, it's super simple, and but it works. And we have a really, I think, um, a unique movement style in there where we let if you hold your head, if you tilt your head level, it'll walk forward, and if you keep your head level and turn, it'll turn at little oh, angles okay. like that. And we have a 180 degree thing, so if you look. I think it's look down a little bit off the line. A little thing pops up and it says three, two, one, and it'll turn you right back around. Okay. Because people don't like to spin around in in a headset. Yeah, they want to sit on a couch. So we made it so you can sit on the couch and play it. Okay. And which I don't know how many other. I mean, and it's free roam. You can walk around anywhere in the game, and I don't think there's a lot of games that are doing that on on cardboard. So we tried to we try to do some things different with it, and. Um, it's not complete, you know. Yeah. It's the first act out of three, but at that point, that's when we start. Um, you know, Itzel got her vibe, and she was like, "I'm going to start working on there." So I was like, "Oh my gosh, really? We're going to crank up the volume and make it awesome?" And so um, that's when we decided to just go all in on this, and this is what we've been doing because I believe it can make that real impact with a um, a decision maker. Yeah. So when they put that headset on and they get the full, you know, room scale experience. I hope that it blows them away and they just can't write a check fast enough because <laughs> it's because it's really it's not about it's not about me making money money I don't care I just want enough money to survive what I really want to do is I want to uh, I want to hire people so that we can save people Yeah no absolutely and because I mean the if one person gets this and then realizes that human trafficking is a thing and that has a ripple effect to help somebody, well, I've done my job. Yeah. You know, if I can help more than that one person, that's good too. That's better, you know. But one is plenty. Do you have uh, any sort of plug for the game information? Um... I would just say to, uh, if you go to radicalempathyfoundation.org, I try to put everything up on there. So there's, uh, if we ever get to the point where we have links to builds, they will be up in there. Um, I have all of the press materials there. There's all of the events that we're going to go to there. There's a donate link there. There's a subscribe link. Um, 
because I want to keep telling people what it is that we're doing and why Absolutely. that we're doing this. But um, as as far as the game and as far as what it is that we do, we use technology to raise awareness of social issues. Yeah. And we're tackling human trafficking first um, because it needs people to have the most empathy and the most compassion for its victims. Because what's happening now is we generally think of someone that's that's being victimized as a criminal or as a prostitute. And it's like, and if there's anything you can do that's wrong, it's starting there. Absolutely. You know, these are children that are being victimized and they are being prostituted. They are not prostitutes. You know, these the, the myths and things that have been pushed into our head by our media and that are perpetuated, you know, are they're not helping anything. And since no one is talking about human trafficking or sex trafficking or forced labor trafficking, all these things that are not being talked about and nobody talks about how you get stuck into this pattern, how you get sucked into the system, um, how you get tricked into the stuff. No one is talking about. This is not an active conversation that parents are having with their children. You know, guess what? You don't talk about it. You don't educate people. You're going to wind up with the same result. And that's what we're unfortunately getting. We're a blind society. We don't, we don't like to, we don't like to look at this. We like to pretend that it doesn't exist. And since it's not happening to everybody all at the same time, we just pretend it isn't there. So you said RadicalEmpathyFoundation.com. Dot org. Dot org. Well, you can do the dot com too because it just redirects. But I mean, <laughs> so it's, yeah, RadicalEmpathyFoundation.org. Dot org. Dot org. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. Awesome. Eventually we'll be on the front page when you type in Radical Empathy, but we're not there yet. <laughs> I'll have links to everything, um, I mean, in the notes and, um, I mean, for people to follow, uh, cause I do think it's really important for people to, to, to take a moment and, and, and see if what you're doing speaks to them and it should, yeah. it should speak to everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, it, there's, the truth is that I'm not a really good web designer, let's be honest, but that's, that's not it. I mean, it, it the, the truth is that this is going to resonate with certain people. You know, I hope that the, the the words and the images that are on the page, on the web page, or anywhere that somebody reads this, it allows them to to understand this and understand why it's important, and it allows it to resonate with them. But I, I don't know if I'm as eloquent. I'm not sure that I use the right words, but I care, and I want to make a difference, and I'm I'm going to do everything that I can. And I hope that the honesty and authenticity of that comes across because that's that's what I'm really trying to offer here. I want to be I want to be someone that can help make this change happen. Yeah. Well, we've recorded almost three hours. <laughs> I don't know if you realize. So this episode we recorded in July of 2017. So uh, you know that was almost a year ago, and uh, and since then uh, Billy has let me know that that trapped is actually complete and is ready for use in schools, faith-based groups, community centers, um, anywhere where um, that this can be used to spread awareness. Um, it's ready to go. And Billy also says that they have the educational materials. Um, and are just looking for their customers. They come to you. They'll set everything up, teach you how to use um, the HTC Vive and all of the materials, and they'll do all the demos, answer all the community questions, and then they leave everything so that you can use it forever. So if you're interested in contacting Billy about the Radical 
Empathy Education Foundation. Uh, you can reach out to him at Billy at RadicalEmpathyFoundation.org. Uh, so I'll have the I'll have that on my website in the show notes uh, where you can find links to uh, to the Radical Empathy Education Foundation and uh, and, and 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 everything you need to know. So uh, I guess until next week. See you then.